Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2019 debut of the Rattle Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jesse Friedman, and joining me today is someone who I'm sure is familiar to all of you. His name is Jeff Weiser. Uh, Jeff has joined the show in the past several times as a guest, uh, but guest no more uh, is Jeff as he is now uh, joining on board with the Rattle Podcast. He'll be here with us every single week. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the Rattle. Hey, Jesse. Glad to join you, man. We are very excited for uh, what is really kind of a, a new start in a way for us here um, at the Rattle. Me and Jeff have been working uh, really on this for the last several months. Uh, so we really appreciate all of you who have shown uh, us some patience as normally the Rattle podcast starts way back in, in January or February with some with some early on shows, uh, but we've been working on on something new here. Um, and to start off this episode, before we get into uh, some things about the Diamondbacks and their five and five start, we of course uh, want to talk about all of that uh, for the most part of this show. Uh, but before we get into that, we want to jump into. Uh, our vision for the Rattle of 2019. As I mentioned, we've been working on this for a while, and tomorrow, Jeff, it all comes to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun um, and a lot of work uh, putting things together, but uh, I'm excited to see kind of uh, you know everything go live and 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 see the the website uh, come to life with uh, the analysis and and you know commentary and and work just around the team to really accompany what was already, you know, a really good podcast. And so, um, I think it's really cool that, that you and I have been able to sort of connect and, and, and sort of find a, a vision for what we want, uh, to see the rattle become. And so, um, just very, very cool to, to have the day, like, you know, finally be there. Cause we really have been working at it for quite a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so we want to go ahead and jump into a little bit more specifics on what exactly the vision that we're talking about is real quick before we jump into some D-backs talk. Uh, so basically, the Rattle, as all of you know who have listened in the past, it has been a podcast for the last couple of years. Uh, we've really had a lot of success with the show. We've built a lot of great connections with all of you, the listeners. We've really appreciated your support over the last couple of years. And this year, we basically decided to step things up. Uh, so not only will you be getting the Rattle podcast as you have in the past with me and Jeff Weiser every week, uh, but you will also be getting uh, some written content that Jeff mentioned uh, on our new website, which will be released tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, I guess it depends on when you're listening to this, but April 10th is officially our launch date for the Rattle.net. Uh, so the rattle.net will be uh, our URL where you can find all of this analysis and this commentary. Um, and, and essentially what, what this all will, uh, will come into is the rattle being not only, as you all know it to be, as a podcast, but we're also going to have a written element with regular new content um, and potentially some other things as well as we get into the season. Um, so we are very, very excited about all of this. Uh, we've got some new branding, a uh, little bit of a new look uh, for the Rattle. So we really uh, hope that you'll kind of jump on this train with us and, and join us for this next season. Um, so with that, we can go ahead and jump into some talk about the 2019 Arizona Diamondbacks. Jeff, so far this team is 5-5. Five and five. They started the year 
in Los Angeles, dropping three out of four. They followed that by taking two of three from San Diego at home, and then two of three from the defending world champ Boston Red Sox at home as well. Uh, so the Diamondbacks are a 500 team. And, and from my perspective, I want to get your thoughts on this, Jeff. This, this team has looked almost the exact opposite of what I think a lot of us expected it to be. Uh, we enter today, April 9th. The Diamondbacks will play the Texas Rangers tonight with Zach Greinke on the mound. But we enter this game with a 6.30 team ERA, which is 28th in Major League Baseball, almost dead last. Um, the Diamondbacks pitching, in short, has been horrible to start the season. And on the flip side, the Diamondbacks are fourth in all of baseball with 61 runs scored over 10 games. That is averaging over six runs per game. And I think for all of us, this has almost been a dumbfounding start to the season. You talk about a team that traded away Paul Goldschmidt, as we all know. The jury's out. I don't think we need to hash out that trade anymore. It is done. Um, Goldschmidt is a member of the St. Louis Cardinals now. And, and maybe this hurts even more. A.J. Pollock is now a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers, signing with them a, a four-year deal. Um, and then the Diamondbacks have, between those two guys, that is a big chunk of your offense. And not to mention Patrick Corbin on the pitching side as well. This is a, this is a Diamondbacks team that was heavily gutted this offseason. And they have started this season with an offense that has absolutely knocked the cover off the ball after getting rid of Goldie and A.J. Pollock. And I think it's it's a dumbfounding start to the season. Obviously, we're talking about a small sample size. But I don't know about you, Jeff, but this is not what I expected the 2019 Diamondbacks to look like. So I, you're, you're saying you did not expect Adam Jones to be on a 65 home run pace this year. Well, I, I didn't say that. I believe <laughs> I did actually predict that Adam Jones would do that. Yeah. No, I, I feel you 100%. I mean, look, the, the strength of the team was supposed to be at the rotation. It's, you know, the area that, you know, really didn't have, you know, as much turnover. Of course, they lost Corbin, um, but they added some other arms. And so, you know, you kind of thought, you know, okay, well, they'll just continue to lean on on guys like Zach Greinke and Robbie Ray and, you know, get what they can out of out of Zach Godley. But yeah, it's, it's turned out to just be really wacky. Um, you know, we're seeing like a huge surge of power throughout the game. Uh, but, you know, even if the ball's juiced a little bit or has been changed a little bit, um, <laughs> everyone's still playing with the same baseball. And you look, the Diamondbacks are, like you said, you know, up near the top of the the league lead in, uh, in runs. And, you know, like uh, one of the teams ahead of them is, is the Mariners, who have played two extra games with their opening series in Japan. So... Um, it's even maybe a little more impressive. I mean, it's, it's just wild. It's, it's so far, so far beyond, I think like you're, you're totally right. What any of us expected. I mean, David Peralta has been an absolute like doubles machine and, you know, Adam Jones has been awesome. Cattell Marte has been, you know, just fine. Nick Ahmed has not embarrassed himself in any way. And like Christian Walker looks like kind of the real deal. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I'm just as surprised as you are And you know, small samples aside, it, it is really, uh, it is really intriguing. Like, you know, I guess the question that it raises for me is like, how much of this do we think is real and how much of this do we think is fake? Yeah. I think that's probably the question of the day, uh, here on the rattle podcast is, is this diamondbacks offense actually here to stay? And 
I think it's a tough question, a question that personally, or I, I think it's a question that Diamondbacks fans probably don't want to address uh, because it's really fun, uh, I think, for people to see this happening to this team where, they, where they're just knocking the cover off the ball. But I think you ask a good question. I think it's one that the Diamondbacks are going to have to confront is, is this, is this actually for real? And I, I think you really have to go player by player. You got to go up and down this roster and you've got to look at these guys and, and, you know, take them one by one and figure out whether or not they can keep this up. And looking at this roster, I think it's hard to imagine how many of these guys can. I, I think you, you mentioned Adam Jones, uh, the historic start to the season that he has had, which I think is only more impressive because he got such a, a late start to the yeah. season with the Diamondbacks signing him so mm-hmm. late. But this is a guy who hasn't had an OPS above 800 since 2013. And I, and I believe that Baltimore is even ranked uh, near the near the top when it comes to um, to being a hitting ballpark, or at the very mm-hmm. least, it's not really known as being as as, as being a pitcher friendly park. Um, so this is a guy who has shown time and time again over the last six years that he is pretty much uh, he's pretty much stabilized in who he is as a hitter, and and as a guy who's into his mid thirties now, he's not someone you'd really expect to necessarily take a big stride forward at this point in his career. So I think with Adam Jones, I think it's hard to imagine this really continuing into the future. Um, And and I think David Peralta, a guy who you mentioned who has been off to a torrid start for the Diamondbacks, I think he has looked exceptionally good. And, And Peralta, you know that he's not going to hit over 400 for the entire season. I think that's that's probably safe to say. Um, but this is a guy who won a Silver Slugger Award last season for a reason, and I think it's very well within the realm of possibility that he could do that again. Um, so I think Peralta, if if you're gonna if you're gonna bet on a guy to continue um, to be very good offensively, I think Peralta is is the easy guy mm-hmm. to take on this Diamondbacks roster. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think Peralta Peralta saw you know kind of the writing on the wall with you know, the subtractions of Goldschmidt um, and Pollock that he was going to have to be one of the guys that really drove the offense. And then the injury to Steven Souza um, and then now to Jake Lamb, I would say, you know, he probably really knows now that it's in some way it's kind of up to him to keep this offense moving along. And I think for a guy like Adam Jones, I mean, Adam Jones has been, you know, one of my favorite baseball players for a long time. I mean, he speaks his mind. He's an honest guy. Um, he plays hard and, and he knows like, you know, he's on the downside of his career. He's on the wrong side of 30. Um, and I think, you know, having held out, you know, a big bulk of the winter, he probably came to the D backs with, um, you know, a bit of a chip on his shoulder and, you know, an angry Adam Jones is maybe, you know, maybe a pretty good version of Adam Jones to have on your ball club. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, how much those things tend to matter, you know, over the course of the season. Um, it's easy to kind of carry that energy for the first two weeks, but the season's long and the season is a grind and, you know, come July, August, September, um, things can, can feel very different. So, uh, but it, it has been a breath of fresh air to see some of these these guys, you know, really step up and kind of fill that void that was that was left behind. And I mean, 
you know, if you looked at the Diamondbacks and thought, hey, they're going to have, you know, what version of the Diamondbacks are going to produce, you know, good offense, you would probably look at a version where Steven Souza has, you know, a bounce back campaign. Jake Lamb is is doing his thing and splitting some time with Christian Walker, who kind of comes into his own. Right. And with th- those two guys missing, I mean, you're not just missing two bats in, you know, Pollock and Goldschmidt. You're really now at this point, we're kind of missing four, you know. Um, so it's, it's been pretty crazy. And, you know, even with the offense producing as it has, I mean, guys like Eduardo Escobar have really struggled. Um, Wilmer Flores hasn't done much in his first 10 games. So, uh, it's, it's been pretty, pretty top heavy. Uh, and I'm sure some of those things will even out, you know, as we go along. I think speaking of evening out, that's kind of the, the one hope that I have for this Diamondbacks offense is as skeptical as I am that they are able to keep this up with the roster they have. And like you mentioned, essentially missing four bats from what they had last season there there's the makeup of their lineup every day just feels a little bit different because it, it, it feels like one through eight, everybody can hit there. There yeah. just isn't, in years past, it's felt like the Diamondbacks were a very top-heavy offense. You had Goldschmidt, you had Pollock, you had Peralta in the middle of the lineup. Sometimes you'd have Jake Lamb if he wasn't on the DL. Um, but that was really the main source of the Diamondbacks' offense. And you look at the lineups that they're putting together every day, you don't necessarily have the big bats in the middle of the lineup. Or I guess you do right now, so long as Adam Jones uh, is still uh, hitting his heart out. Um but I do think that there is some sustainability to at least some sort of offensive success for the Diamondbacks just because they are pretty well balanced one through eight. I think especially if you can get the kind of offense that we've seen from Carson Kelly so far, which of course is an extremely small sample size because he hasn't even, I believe he's played in probably around half of the Diamondbacks 10 games right. so far. Um, so you're talking about an extremely small sample size there. Uh, but he has shown some offensive potential and if the Diamondbacks are able to fix the dead spot that has been uh, the catcher position in their lineup over the last few years, and if Nick Ahmed continues to hit, which I think I think there might be some sustainability to that at this point. I do too. Because, yeah, we, we saw him take a big step forward last year, and I think he's starting to make some changes to his swing that are actually sustainable for the future. And you look at this lineup one through eight every day, and you don't fall in love with anyone. There's no Goldschmidt. There might not even be a Pollock-caliber bat, um, at least maybe not aside from David Peralta, but this is a lineup that is competitive, one through eight, yeah. and I think there's something to be said for that. I do too. I, I totally agree. I, this is the first time that I've really seen, even missing those bats that we talked about, that you've you've really seen it uh, you know, kind of be this deep. It might not be quite as robust, but it's deeper. Um, there have been some times when, uh, like seven, eight, nine, sometimes like six, seven, eight, nine, were just it was like a total black hole in the lineup. Like if Nick Ahmed was facing a righty, uh, Gerard Dyson was playing center, uh, Jeff Mathis was catching, and you there had you the go. pitcher hitting ninth. It's like, okay, that's that's uh, you know four out of your nine batters are just like you're literally crossing your fingers and hoping that someone can get a hit tonight. Um, so I think it takes maybe a little bit of the pressure off and it, it can help them sort of string things together. And 
you know, Mike Hazen's talked about trying to assemble a team that doesn't strike out as much. Um, they've achieved that to some degree. Um, they're kind of in the middle of the road in the strikeout category, but that's, you know, it's probably fine. Um, and that's just kind of who they're going to have to be. I mean, they're not going to be the team that continues to just thump you. Um, I mean, they have been so far, but they're <laughs> going to have to be able to kind of like string things together. And that's why, you know, when you mentioned sustainability, I think you could see a guy like Peralta, you know, start to come into a more realistic range of outcomes. A guy like Adam Jones kind of come into a more realistic range of outcomes. Meanwhile, you know, Eduardo Escobar is probably not going to struggle like this all year. Um, Wilmer Flores is a professional hitter. Uh, yeah. you know, defensively, he probably leaves something to be desired at second base. But, you know, so you could have a couple guys come down as a couple guys come up, and you might not really miss that much. And, and maybe they're really able to kind of, you know, string hits together. And there might be those nights where they're a little hard to come by. And there might be some nights where they're really able to just kind of like, you know, single, double, you know, make an out, walk double you know and it just kind of just keeps the train moving so instead of just relying on like well is paul goldschmidt gonna hit a home run right here because if he doesn't we're in trouble um and it i mean frankly like it might not be a star laden but it's been really fun oh absolutely I, I don't think there's anyone who would disagree with that so far the diamondbacks offense to this point through 10 games has not been the issue uh for arizona but flipping the coin I think it's time we talk about that issue. The Diamondbacks pitching staff, as I mentioned, 28th in baseball with a 6.30 team ERA. Uh, City of Chicago has had it pretty rough because the White Sox and the Cubs are 29th and 30th on that list. I thought that was interesting. Um, but the Diamondbacks have struggled, uh, to say the least. And I think there is good reason to believe that that some of these things are not going to continue. Zach Granke has an ERA over nine. Uh, he did not look good in Los Angeles in his first start of the season. And frankly, I don't think Zach Greinke has really ever looked good in Los Angeles since being moved over to the Diamondbacks. It just seems like he always struggles in his, in his former ballpark. Um, but beyond that, I think there's, I think there's reason to believe that the Diamondbacks can figure this out. I think part of the reason for that 630 ERA is the Matt Cook effect, uh, which mm -hmm. I, I hate to call it that, but Matt Cook um, has, has thrown some, albeit these are mop-up, type of innings, nothing really horribly important, uh, but he has given up 15 earned runs over seven and a third innings and allowed six home runs in those seven and a third innings. So I think part of the Diamondbacks ERA is simply uh, due to mm -hmm. Matt Cook having a, having a tough go in some of those later innings of, of some games that the Diamondbacks just weren't in. Um, but on the whole, Jeff, how do you feel about this Diamondbacks pitching staff? I think it'll improve. I think it'll you know, get a little closer to normal. I mean, you make a good point, right? Like a guy like Matt Cook, his job is not to go out and save a game of the ninth inning. It's not to go out and pitch, you know, seven shutout innings as a starter. It's literally to mop up the rest of the innings so that the rest of the bullpen doesn't have to be overworked. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you look at him, he's given up 15 earned, um, you know, John Ryan Murphy, <laughs> Uh, managed somehow to give up seven earned in only uh, two innings. So, I mean, you sort of, you know, you sort of walk some of that back and you're like, okay, well, on the surface, this isn't quite nearly as bad as it looks. Um, right. You know, so I, I think it, it'll improve. Um, Granky is a guy that, you know, when he's good, he can, he can look pretty good. Um, and when he's off, he just doesn't have the stuff to get away with being off anymore. Right. And so, 
you know, on those, you know, like, like opening day, I mean, the Dodgers just hit like 750 home runs, but you know, Granky made some mistakes. Um, those guys also just didn't miss. And there's times, I mean, how many times we watched a pitcher miss a location middle, middle, the batter swings right through it or pops it up to the first baseman or something. So, I mean, there, right. there's some, there's some luck, there's some variance there. So I think they're going to be okay. Um, the two guys that almost worry me the most are, are Robbie Ray and Zach Godley. Um, yeah. Those are two guys that they really need to be able to kind of lean on, um, especially as we're, we're all kind of waiting for Taiwan Walker to get back. So, you know, Ray's velocity has been down. It was down early last season, uh, and then he went on the DL, and then he came back after missing uh, something like six weeks. And it was kind of back. Like, he was back to 96, 97 at times. Um, yeah. And, and early this season, we've saw, seen a lot of like 91 to 93. I mean, there's times that he'll pump like 95, but um, we're kind of, I'm kind of in wait and see mode on him. I don't know if he's just kind of a slow starter. And I mean, there are a lot of guys that it takes them a while just for their arm to get that loose and, and kind of find that easy velocity again, but it hasn't really been there. Um, and he's just still, the breaking balls come a long ways. Um, and it's been really awesome to see Robbie Ray over the years develop like some decent secondary pitches. Uh, but he still needs to be able to establish the fastball. And if it's not coming in with the same kind of heat, you know, you just kind of wonder if it, if it trims the margins for him. And Zach Godley still just looks like, unfortunately, just kind of a mess on the mound. Like yeah. he's all over the place. He's flying around. Like his mechanics are just, you know, I mean, it, it's hard, right? Because I mean, he's had pretty much the same mechanics, you know, for his, his major league career. And, you know, they've been effective at times. But then at other times, it's just like, man, he's just kind of all over the place. So that one really hurts. Um, you know, Merrill Kelly has been sort of a, a big surprise. And, you know, Luke Weaver had, you know, has been kind of up and down. But I, I think they'll I think they'll be okay. But I don't think um, I don't think this is a group that's going to like you know, be a top five starting pitching staff um, this year. I, th- I think they're probably destined for a little more middle of the road. And, and, and maybe that's okay if the offense keeps it up. But I'm just, um, you know, unless Robbie Ray can really kind of find something and Zach Godley can kind of calm things down, it might be really tough. Because I think Granky's going to do what Granky does. But the yeah. other guys are just, you know, it's, it's um, not been really encouraging so far. I think the Robbie Ray situation is really interesting because Tori Lovello actually talked up Robbie Ray in spring training quite a bit. I think Robbie had something yeah. like 32 strikeouts and just over 16 innings of work, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it is. Typical Robbie Ray fashion. He probably threw like 6,000 pitches in order to do yeah. that. But it, Tori Lovello at the start of the season was was telling the media about – you know, the stuff looks different this year. It looks like it's coming out of his arm different and it's coming in hot. And I think a lot of people were very excited to see Robbie Ray pitch this season because there's been this this narrative with Robbie Ray that he is so close to yeah. being a a Cy Young caliber starting pitcher. He is His floor at some times can be pretty average, but his ceiling is about as high as anyone's in the league. Um, and it's because we've seen this kind of stuff from him in the past. You mentioned the 96-97 velocity. A couple years ago, that was regular for Robbie Ray. He always had that kind of velocity. And it seems like he's he's traded that uh, for some better breaking pitches. 
and it's kind of just turned his game, not necessarily, it, it, it hasn't really made it better, it hasn't really made it worse, um, and, and I think Robbie is the kind of guy at this point in his career, I think he has figured out how to be a, a usable starting pitcher, uh, no matter where he's where he's at. Last season, he didn't have his best stuff for most of the year, but he still finished with a sub-4 ERA. Uh, so he is the kind of guy who, you know, he's a major league caliber starter. You're not looking at a minor league stint for Robbie Ray if he's struggling with his mechanics because he's not at that place anymore. Um, but there are so many Diamondbacks fans who I think want to see this guy figure it out and put it all together and become the next Randy Johnson. You know, he right. has... He has that that kind of potential, and we know that he's very close to that, but he just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why, but you you kind of nailed it. I always seem to think of Randy Johnson when I think of Robbie Ray. I mean, it's not just the left-handedness, but, um, you know, I did some I did some writing uh, a while back on, like, the best all-stars um, in D-backs history, and obviously Randy Johnson was at the top of that list, and um, you know, I, it wasn't really until I started digging back into his past that I realized what an absolute mess Randy Johnson was early in his career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was he walked just everyone. Like <laughs> everyone, like very, very bad. You know, I was like, is is did I click on the wrong Randy Johnson? Like, there's no way. Um, but Robbie Ray seems like a guy that just like if he could just find it, you know, it would be it would be incredible. Um, you know, I, I'm looking just kind of at some of his numbers for this year. And I mean, he has the the highest swing strike rate of any of the starters on the team, but he's only thrown first pitch strikes in like 38% of the at-bats that he's had so far. And it's only two games, but yeah, you know, he needs to be closer to like 55, maybe 60. Um, and granted, like he's not the kind of guy that has to be in the zone to get swinging strikes, but he does need to like not start you know, more batters off with balls than strikes. Um, and that's just doing him a disservice. It's putting him in a hole, it puts pressure on the arsenal, you know, really kind of limits where he can go, you know, with the second and third pitch of an at bat. So, um, you know, he just kind of seems like a guy that struggles still at times to get his timing right. Um, you know, syncing up his, his upper and lower halves to, to really find the zone. So, if he does, though, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I think, you know, over to baseball prospectus, um, you know, heading into the season, I was asked, like, you know, which guy, like, who are you kind of hitching your wagon to this year is, like, the breakout guy. And I was like, it's Robbie Ray. It's got to be Robbie Ray. Like, he's the guy that's most primed for a big, you know, breakout season. Um, and still waiting to see it. It's obviously early, and he's got plenty of time. But not falling behind, like, the majority of batters would be a good place to start for him. It almost seems like that guy's always going to be Robbie Ray. Like, like if if Robbie doesn't figure <laughs> it out this season, That's I think true. I think next year in spring training we're going to be thinking the same thing. Of you know he, he's so close. You know he's just a little bit more command away from being that starter that we've envisioned him to be for years. And and we forget in 2017 he he was that guy. He got Cy Young votes. He had a sub three ERA. He was an All Star that season, uh, but he just hasn't been able uh, to finish things off. And I think that's something that that hopefully Robbie is able to to turn things around here this season and, and figure some things out. Uh, moving on to some other aspects of the Diamondbacks pitching staff, I think the bullpen has been fascinating so far. Um, yeah. In that Greg Holland, I have never seen a pitcher be such a mess in spring training 
And then the yeah. moment the regular <laughs> season starts, just snap a finger and suddenly he looks like, you know, the a, the dominant closer that he's been in years past, obviously. Once again, you got to preface everything with small sample size at this point in the season. Uh, but I think he's looked really good. And on the flip side, I think Archie Bradley still looks like a little bit of a mess out there. The command is not where it used to be. The curveball still seems to be a little bit inconsistent, even though he, he seems to talk it up as a pitch he's more comfortable throwing now than he was last year when, when he had the injury issue. Um, but I think the Diamondbacks are going to need Archie Bradley to be that kind of bullpen ace that he's been um, in years past. And, and it seemed like something just happened near the middle of last season where Archie Bradley just kind of lost it. And, and he is, in some ways, become one of the faces of this franchise. I don't know if we're at the point where we can call him the face of the franchise, but he's, you know, now that Goldie isn't here, he's like one of the main guys you think of when you think Arizona Diamondbacks. And the fact of the matter is, Jeff, right now, he's, a, he's just a pretty average Major League Relief pitcher. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because you mentioned that he's struggled quite a bit with uh, with the curveball and he's he's throwing it plenty. Um, you know, he's trying to to make it work for him. But, you know, when it's not there, I mean, he's a one pitch guy. I mean, he's a one pitch guy. He's he's yeah. got a fastball that's got a little bit of run on it. And, you know, it does have some, you know, quote unquote rise. It, it does um, it does spin well. But, yeah, he's he's really, really um you know, that, that puts him in a tough spot where he's walking like a super fine line. And yeah, it's, it's weird because you can, it's one of those things where you can tell that he just doesn't quite have the feel for the curve consistently because there's times that it comes out of his hand and you go, Oh yeah, that's it. Like that's the hammer curve. Like that's the one I'm looking for. Right. It looked like a fastball down the middle and then it dove like straight into the dirt and the batter, you know, missed it by a mile. And then there's other times where, you know, he can't, he hangs it or he misses with it terribly or just as you're like, you know, what's going on? Like, is, is this even the same pitch? Um, you know, so it, he's got to get that ironed out. It, it, he's down to being at times like a one pitch pitcher. And right. for, for as fine as his fastball is, uh, it's not good enough. You know, it's not good enough for him to be a one pitch pitcher. He's, you know, 96 now is not, you know, out of the realm of, of normalcy for right. batters. Um, and it's not like he's Jordan Hicks throwing 104. So he's, he's got to dial in that curveball. And I think it's, you know, we're going to kind of live and die with the results of, of that pitch. I think the Diamondbacks bullpen also has some other, some other interesting characters right now. Yoshi Hirano is a guy who was phenomenal last season in a, in a middle late relief role. And he, this season has just not looked like the same guy. I think part of that has been some bad luck. I think some ground balls have, have found some holes on him here and there, but all in all the, the walks are up and it, and it just doesn't seem like he has the same uh, fastball command that he had last year. I don't think Yoshi Toronto yeah. is ever going to live by, you know, mid nineties heat with the fastball. That's not really his main pitch. It, it just is kind of the, the playoff for his slot for his splitter. Um, but so far, the, the fastball just hasn't really looked like a very competitive pitch, and you're not going to chase the splitter if if he can't manage to throw a fastball in there for a strike. Um, so I think Yoshi Hirano is, a, is an interesting guy, someone the Diamondbacks really need to figure uh, some things out. And and elsewhere in the bullpen, I, I, I don't think it excites you too much, but I don't think you're, you're too scared of it. Yoan Lopez has thrown some 
some good innings for the Diamondbacks. I think occasionally you see him uh, kind of lose control, and then he seems to find it again. All of a sudden, he's been a little bit off and on. Uh, John Duplantier is maybe another guy we should uh, mention at least briefly, making his major league debut for the Diamondbacks, a guy who I think a lot of people are very, very excited about. Uh, by some people, you, they would consider him the Diamondbacks' best prospect. I don't know where you stand on that, Jeff, but the Diamondbacks have some pieces in this bullpen outside of Archie Bradley and Greg Holland to get some things done, but I, I, I think there's uh, you don't really know exactly what you're getting from a lot of these guys, Duplantier included in that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's the samples are small, obviously, and so it's hard to draw a ton of conclusions. But at the same time, you know, the best thing you can kind of do at this point in time is, is sort of trust your eyes and, and just kind of try to understand where everybody's at. And you know, Hirano's fastball has been kind of all over the place. Um, he does leave him up uh, quite a bit, and. Always kind of has, but you know, at ninety, you know, at a, at a nice round ninety miles an hour, it probably looks uh, a little too hittable at times. But you know, the splitter is still just absolutely nasty. Uh, guys just don't hit it. Period. Yeah. But he has to be able to get to it, and like you know, you made that case, and I, I think that's absolutely true. Greg Holland doesn't throw as hard as he used to, um, and and that's not coming back. But you know, he's. You can kind of buckle down and get it done when he needs to, it looks like, and, and we'll see how long that's able to hold up. Um, I am really interested in Duplantier and, and sort of how they continue to try to use him this year. Um, my my guess would be that it, at some point in time, he's going to head back to AAA um, yeah. and probably get stretched back out as a starter. But I think this has been really, really good experience for him. And I had a chance to interview John right after he signed. Um, he was assigned to the, to the Hillsboro Hops, which is here near Portland. Um, and I guess got to spend like 10 minutes talking to him. And he's just a super intelligent um, super bright young man. And, uh, I think, hmm. I think fans are really going to love him, but I, I do think that, you know, this is, this is just a great way to kind of get his feet wet and then they can kind of work on stretching him back out. And, you know, we probably do see him in the actual rotation at some point this season, even if it is, you know, relatively late. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of wait and see on a lot of these guys. And, and, and the last guy I'll touch on that, that you mentioned was, was Yon Lopez. And, uh, the stuff can be sharp. The stuff can be lively. Um, where it's going, I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> but, but but it's fun to watch. Um, and you can see it. I mean, it's pretty easy heat. Um, some of the breaking pitches can be pretty sharp. So he's, you know, his saga has, has gone on for many years. It's kind of amazing that he's been in the system this long and he still, you know, kind of looks this raw at times. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's just, you know, some nerves and, you know, being, uh, you know, pitching like in Dodger stadium and, you know, pitching at chase field. And so I, I do want to cut him a little bit of slack, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a guy to keep your eye on. And, and I think, I think it sort of underscores like, you know, if, if guys like, uh, Holland or, um, Bradley really strong, I mean, there are some guys that are like ready to come in and like do more. Um, Andrew Chafin has been, just fine. And, you know, he can be pretty nasty, especially against lefties. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a little bit of competition there. I mean, we probably do see Jimmy Scherfe again at some point. So there are some dudes that, that probably want to push these guys. And a guy like Archie Bradley, like really, really struggles. Like it wouldn't be a surprise to see him kind of get shuffled back in the bullpen a little bit. 
I know we talked earlier in the show about how at the beginning of the season on offense, people were pegging Jake Lamb and Steven Souza as basically the X factors for the Diamondbacks. And if they can have big seasons, then the Diamondbacks could be okay. Uh, but as we all know, Steven Souza Jr. is out for the season, uh, basically tore his entire knee to shreds. Uh, I think all of our thoughts and prayers are with him as he tries to navigate this tough situation. Um, and then Jake Lamb as well has, has hit the injury bug as, as a, several Diamondbacks have early on in the season. Alex Vila is also uh-huh. on the disabled list. So the injury yeah. bug has struck early here in Arizona. But Jeff, I'm curious if you had to pick a new X factor that's not Lamb or Steven Souza from the Diamondbacks offense, who do you think that would be? That's a good, good question. I think I, I would probably put it on Cattell Marte um, mm. as the guy that's capable of, you know, um, producing, you know, not just average offense or slightly above average offense, but frankly is, is capable of doing much more than that. I think his, the tools are there. I mean, he's strong. Yeah. Um, if if you follow Cattell Marte on Instagram, uh, his off-season workout regimen was pretty impressive. Uh, so he's a tough dude, um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does. I, I think that he has the ability to take it like several steps forward. And so, uh, you know, if Peralta continues to kind of rake and, and, and Christian Walker is who he is and Adam Jones remains like a very viable player – like you still need another guy or two and yeah. that's going to lean on a guy like Cattell Marte because uh, you said something early in the show and I think you're right. I think Nick Ahmed's offensive game really has actually improved. Like it's, he's never going to be a, a force to be reckoned with against right-handed pitching, but it's, it's passable now. Yeah. Um, but Cattell Marte has the ability to like do damage against everyone. And so seeing him kind of come into his own, uh, would really go a long ways. And if he could, you know, produce offense, something like, you know, 15 or 20% above league average, that would end up being like a really, really helpful player uh, for this team because they're, they're going to need to lean on more than just David Peralta and Adam Jones. With that, I think this concludes the first 2019 episode of the rattle podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it here on the rattle once again as we mentioned earlier in the show tomorrow april 10th is the big day for us here at the rattle you can log on over to the rattle.net starting tomorrow uh, where you can find some diamondbacks commentary and analysis which will already be posted there for you um, so please do check that out and we're excited to have all of you on board with us for the 2019 season thank you once again so much for listening and we'll be back soon once again with another episode of The Rattle.